Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. I am Loose. You recognize Juice, but we have a special guest again two weeks in a row, uh, and we're super excited to talk to him today. He's from Just Baseball Media, uh, ESPN Plus. Literally, go look up his LinkedIn. It's a freaking rap sheet of things that this man has done. Mr. Jack McMullen. Jack, first off, thank you again for joining us, man. And How's things going in the middle of February? All good in the crossroads of America in downtown Indianapolis. Um, I was telling you guys before you you hit the record button. I'm I'm sorry I didn't exchange the Mark Burley painting in the background, but uh, <laughs> Kyle Taylor, St. Louis based artist, commissioned that for me. And I'm like, I I can never take that down ever, and that's going to be in my home uh, forever and ever. So very excited to to chat Cubs with you guys and uh, Juice and Loose. That didn't really click for me until you just said it right now, and I noticed that Juice didn't smile when you did your big hello. That's awesome, man. Like you breathe. Hey, thank you. Hey, we're he's sick of it by now. I mean, if we if we do the math on how many shows we've done together, it's we might as well at this point. Like we have probably talked to each other more than some members of our own family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's the level of territory we're hitting here at Cubs on. And now. Jack too. Like I got new headphones here. They really, you know, reverberate back into the eardrum. Yeah. So the last couple of times it's been it's been a getting used to. It's yeah. and, and lighting it's your Ron. brain up. Yeah, gotcha. and, and it's Ron, and he's got to scream like an idiot every episode. I'm loud. But, I'm hey, loud. it's okay. It, the, <laughs> the fans love it. Everybody loves it. I get it, man. Uh, it's it's fun, man. But, Jack, we're, we're excited to talk with you, man. Obviously, I mean, you've got a wealth of baseball knowledge, not only from what you're doing in the broadcast world, but obviously with just baseball media. Um, but it's in our eyes worth other people getting to know you because there might be some people that just haven't had the opportunity to listen to you guys over at just be baseball yet. And if they're not, I highly recommend everybody go take a, a listen to you guys. But I mean, we, we were talking beforehand and like your media career list is, is so long. It's, it's almost like overwhelming to an extent you've been everywhere. Like WGN as an intern. Um, yeah. Obviously now you're with doing a lot with ESPN plus the Indianapolis Indians, AAA baseball is the play by play. Like what do you love most right now? Just about calling baseball. So calling baseball is a very unique place to kind of like, work some muscles in your brain that you never really thought that you had. And and what I mean by that is like at the beginning of the play-by-play, you know, tenure of my life, I guess that was probably sophomore year of college it started. It was lacrosse at Syracuse. I went to Syracuse. They didn't have a baseball team. It was like, hey, first chance you got was lacrosse. And then it was, okay, let's go do basketball. And then it's, let's go go do football. The thing about those three is there's no time to talk about anything other than the game. And I'll, I'll call a lot of basketball on the radio during the baseball off seasons. And it is, okay, we're back from break. Here are the two reads that I have to do balls inbounded. And now I'm just saying the name of the guy that's controlling the ball on the right wing with baseball. Like you can talk about whatever the hell you want. And that is the best thing ever. And with, with how much we consume the game, not only like from a Cubs lens, but through a national lens, I want to talk about all that stuff. It's great. And like mm-hmm. your ability to relay that in, in try and compare it to what's happening on your field of the game that you are calling is a very fun exercise. And the other one is like, it's a five run game in the eighth. What are we going to talk about? That's a unique challenge that you never get in any other game. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, incredibly well put. And that's something that we talked about a little off air People here at Cubs on Tap have probably heard me mention it a few times, but 
I that's the one sport I've yet to have the opportunity to call is baseball. And that is in my eyes, that is always the first thing I pick up is like the stories you can tell during a broadcast are so different. Right. Yeah. Like you said, right. In basketball, you're you're trying to fit in. Hey, when's the next game? Hey, when's this? When's this? You know, football to an extent, very much the same way. Baseball, it's 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 America's national pastime for a reason. Yeah, it's it's almost slow paced, right? It's like mm-hmm. I go into a basketball game. Yeah, you want to talk about the next opponent. Yeah, you want to talk about their leading scorer. Like he might be leading the conference in scoring or in, in three point percentage. You might not get to it if the game doesn't allow you to get to it. And yeah. if I went into a baseball game with a checklist, I can finish that checklist off in the fifth inning. The, the matter like there's almost this editorial process you go through internally when you're calling a baseball game. And it's like, Hey, I've got this story. I can deploy it now, or I can deploy it in the seventh when it may make some more sense, or I hold it and I deploy it tomorrow. Cause we got 150 of these that we got to do in the minor leagues or 162 at the big league level. You can hold anything. And it's really up to you when you release certain information. And that I think is like so much fun where it's okay. I could do this now, but is that pressing? Is mm-hmm. now the right time to, to mention this or, you know, is there a better opportunity that's coming or it may never come and I should just hold it. Yeah. Is there somebody that when you grew up, you listened to that just struck a chord because the, I feel like as you talk to these guys who call games, it's always one or two or three names that got them into it and they pull different things from, mm-hmm. you know, scully or or you know pat or it's interesting to hear like who people grew up listening to and then what they you know pulled from that in the middle of like a game or a strategy things like that so i'm from oak park um so it's clearly the chicago guys i grew up listening to hawk constantly and that is not necessarily the gold standard of mechanical broadcast excellence, but he is the gold standard of baseball fan in the booth. And mm-hmm. you can really appreciate the buy-in that Hawk had. Um, but Len and Pat, like Len in particular, I listened to that guy not talk. And I was like, this is so ridiculously comfortable. And I didn't really understand how good you have to be to not talk on TV until I really got into it. But the thing that I appreciated most about Len and one of the things that I really appreciate about Boog Shambi, really lucky, and and Benetti does a great job of it too, is those guys know when to just shut up and and let Mm -hmm. people enjoy baseball. Um, When you start doing it, and Ron, I'm sure you can attest to this in in some of the other sports you've done, all you want to do is talk when you start because you almost, you feel the need to like prove yourself in anything. And a lot of the young announcers that you'll hear and Dude, I go back to the tapes that I had in college, even like two years ago, I was talking all the time because like, I need to shove more information in here. I need to prove that I'm good enough to do this. The comfortable people, the ones that don't talk are almost always the best. And we were really lucky because Pat is so patient on the radio and Len knew when to shut up for two pitches. And it was amazing. Yeah. I love that. And too, like how, how often do you go back and, and watch yourself too and listen and critique? Cause I know that's, it's a constant game of, of yeah. reading and reacting of, of what you learn from and, and different strategies to being how, how often do you go back? I I'm weird. Like I'm sure you guys are weird too, in your own way. Um, uh-huh. And like, Hey, don't be, don't be turned off by me as a person, but I, I do it every day. Like every morning I'll go back and I'll listen 
to to an inning and a half, two innings if I'm at the gym or if I'm just like doing the wordle on my phone in the in the New York Times mini. I always send my score to my girlfriend and my family. I'm like, yeah, under a minute. Let's get Jimmy <laughs> But I'll I'll listen to, you know, inning and a half, two innings of the game I had done the night before because that's the only way you you hear yourself again. Like that's the only right. way you improve on what you did. And at the end of the day, like I'm 26 years old in AAA. I, I, I have, you know, major league goals. Let's get there. You don't get there by just time. You get there by getting to a point where you are like major league standard. So yeah, every morning. I love that. That's awesome. So the, I, that's something admittedly I need to get better at because I don't, I might be in the very large minority. I hate the sound of my own voice. So I hated it too. Okay. And it's just something that you have to accept. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there are ways I'm sure that you have changed your voice over the last couple of years. Um, But for me, it was like, I listened to it the first time. I was like, I sound horrible. I'm loud. I sound young. Like, what am I going to do? My voice is high. Um, It's it's all a big test. Like it's all a big touch and feel thing when it comes to every given night. So yeah, the more I listened to it, the more I was like numb to it. Yeah. As I say, I've, I've gotten a little better, but in the very early part, it was very cringy to like hear my own voice. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, this is, this is hard, but you know, like you said, I mean, usually, especially in that situation, right? Like the biggest critique, you know, your biggest critic is usually yourself and that's where you're going to improve. You're going to listen. You're going to pick up on things that you maybe didn't feel in the moment and things like that. And it's like, Ooh, I could have done that better. I could have thought this or, you know, and and just kind of going and diving through that playbook a little bit of where all of that kind of, you know, melts through and and, and it gets to, Um, but Jack to, to pivot a little bit here, we'll we'll get back to the broadcasting. I'm sure at some point throughout this uh, interview today and, and discussion, but how did you get to to just baseball? Because, I mean, you guys have been wildly successful. I mean, huge guests. I mean, I feel like Walker Bueller to you guys is like Justin Steele to us, like just truly a right. friend of the program at this point. Right. You guys have had him on enough times. Like how just how did just baseball like, get its start in the roots? And I mean, the length of time that you've been a part of it, I mean, you've been there for quite a while now. I mean, yeah just explaining to the people, you know, what, where the, the roots started and how much it's grown. So it was, it was a COVID birth. It was, you know, one of those things that was, it came out of COVID arm. Layton is one of the co-founders with Peter Apple. And I actually got on a couple of months later than those guys. And and there were a couple other people that were, that were helping uh, before I even got on, but they started it. I want to say fall of 2020 when um, Aaron was kind of looking for his own thing to really start. And at that point, I had just finished up uh, calling video game, calling a video game season for the Fort Wayne tin caps. Like I was supposed to be the number two in Fort Wayne, who's the high A affiliate of the Padres. Great setup there. John Nolan's the lead guy there. Awesome. I'm not sure if you guys have talked to uh, Brendan King and Max Thoma at all, but South Bend, those guys are, are great. That's too. where I live, actually. Are, Jack. Oh, I how about it? The outfield there. <laughs> I love easy. Uh, right by the uh, right by the gift shop. Is it a synagogue that they turned into a gift shop? What's the deal it's, there? It's uh, I think it's old church. Old church. I, I it was like a church or a church. synagogue or something. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool, man. Four it's Winds an, Field. It's an awesome park. Yeah, I love but, it. Ron's gonna come out this summer, and we're gonna. Do a couple days and the baseball is great. Excited. It's been great. Baseball's for the last awesome. Couple of years. 
baseball is awesome. Yeah, but I was I was in the Midwest League. I was supposed to be there in 20. That got canceled. Um, and I was going back in 21. And it was like February of 2021. And uh, Arm and Peter reached out and they were like, hey, we're in the process of starting a media company. It'll be a, it'll be a website, really. And we want a podcast to accompany that. And the initial plan was 30 minutes twice a week, just have a podcast housed on the website. And I was like, yeah, for sure, I'll do it. Um, wasn't expecting to like make any money off of it or anything. I was just going to do sure. it because I, I like talking baseball with my friends. And those guys I was friendly with at Syracuse. I was friends with at Syracuse, but we really didn't like work together or anything like that at school. Um, and man, like we started doing that podcast and then social media stuff took off and the podcast started gaining listens and and you blink and then all of a sudden you open your eyes and and you're doing you know five hour long episodes a week and it's 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 whole thing so yeah i latched on opening day 2021 and we've been all systems go since then that's awesome i mean that's that's super comparable to the like on tap story and i think that's why sure. I, I that's why i feel like i've enjoyed listening to you guys because it, it feels like there's a lot of similarities um because we started our roots kind of began in 2018 our, our founder tony was him and I actually met through uh, another website and it was on Blackhawks coverage because we're nice. big, big hockey guys. And that parlayed to, well, we want to have a Cubs show and we want to have, we have a White Sox show and, oh, we're going to get a Bears show going. And then we met Juice and his buddy Buzz and they were coming from Sports Mockery. And so it was, oh, hey, let's start this thing. And then April 2019, ironically, tax day is our official establishment day. Nice. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, but April 15th, 2019, boom, on tap sports net, you know, births. And it's grown considerably over, over the last few years. So uh, very okay. relatable. But it's it's always fun to hear the, the origin stories of these things because it's like it usually is just like, hey, I kind of want to do something. Let's go for it and just yes. see what happens. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's it's really easy for a lot of media companies, websites, whatever way you want to phrase it to fold, you know, but you make it those, you know, two, three, four, five years. I mean, you get into that territory, like you're already in kind of the 1% of what's actually successful and able to, to stay relevant in the market. A hundred percent. And I'm sure you guys have tried things that haven't gone according to plan. I've tried things 100%. that haven't gone according to plan. Um, but like, what is the plan when you really set out it? This is while we had lofty goals for just baseball, it is still like far beyond what those lofty goals were. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to say beyond our wildest dreams because our wildest dreams are still like, you know, way ahead as I'm sure you guys are too. But the fact that it's even gotten off the ground and is like self-sustainable, like it is, you, you got to take a moment and be like, what the hell did I just do, man? Like, this mm -hmm. is awesome. What did we just build as, as a team? And it's, yeah. it's a really special feeling. And I'm sure you guys have felt that feeling with on tap. 100%. And it's especially even from like a Cubs on tap standpoint, because we, our first Cubs podcast was actually called North side nine. A lot of people don't know this. And it was myself and actually two guys that I played college football with that were fellow offensive linemen, just like me, nice. that were all Cubs fans. And we would talk about the Cubs, you know, usually on a, a weekly cadence was where we were at. Yeah. Ron, you were giving me a wide receiver feel actually. So interesting oh, that you were an old well, Ironic because if you actually, if I stood up, I am a wide potential receiver. So um, I wish I could have been a wide receiver. Jack, don't that call was, him out. You, that you'd was be surprised, dream. but he, he scurries pretty quickly. Do you I know? love it's, that. I, I can move. I can move for him. Depending <laughs> how many beers are in him, it's, it's don't challenge him to a race. I've, I've been there. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, it, it it's it it grew from that, and then like Juice and myself are kind of two of the original hosts of the show. So like we've been doing these since 2019, and just I still remember posting shows, especially in that 2019 season, because you know you'll remember right the Cubs and that epic collapse at the end of the year, and you know essentially establishing what ultimately happened in 2021. Like that was the first. Oh boy, you know, where is this going? And I remember posting shows and getting we'd get 10 listens on if like that. A, across podcast, you know, all the yep. platforms. And now it's like, you know, the numbers are better and we're doing crazy good engagement on the, the live shows. But like you like you said, right? You just you watch that evolution of where everything goes, and you're like, would have never expected this if you would have said this is where things are heading yeah, in it's like, what five years. Do, from now. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It is. It really is. It's it's all over the uh, absolute crazy place. But with just baseball and and I'm sure even just with your your broadcasting career as well, you've done so many things. You guys talk to so many people. Do you have a like favorite interview that just every time you think about it, you're like, man, that one was really cool. I wanna I wanna you know rewatch that over and over again just because of how great that was. Yeah. So we actually talked about that on on a mailbag episode that we had done like a month or two ago, and and I saw you sent that question along, and I was like this is a, a good chance for me to think about that because we've had a lot of really cool guests and, you know, I, I'm just thinking about like ones that landed really hard for me. Mm. I've been really lucky as I'm sure you guys have been too. I mean, dude, you just got Justin Steele. Like it's one of those things. First time you get Steele on, it's like, why, what are we doing here? You, you yeah. almost, your brain like starts spinning a little bit. And for me, I've been really lucky to meet a lot of people that I grew up watching play sports and I've only been starstruck, like truly starstruck one time in my life. And it was in the Louisville airport. And I saw Carlos Boozer at baggage claim in the Louisville airport. And I was like, that's why I have, I have crossed paths with so many people that were better at their sport than you were at yours. But dude, like the fact that we were sold LeBron, Wade, Bosch, Dwight Howard, and then the Bulls landed on Carlos Boozer. He held a special place in my soul and I saw him and that unlocked it. So <laughs> I will say like from a sentimental, from a sentimental standpoint, the first time we had Walker on, um, cause we knew he was coming on every week while he was rehabbing from TJ and he'll be on three times a month. Um, pretty much every off day that the Dodgers have, he'll be on the just baseball show this coming season. Incredible. But yeah, first time we had Walker, I was like, we're doing the damn thing. And I was the one like yeah. first year that we were a podcast, I was pounding the table. I was like, Walker Bueller should win the Cy Young. He didn't. I thought he got gypped. I still think he got gypped. But another Cubs angled one that I really loved is we've got a show on our network called show and go with Taylor Davis. And Taylor was a cub for a hot minute. Yep. Um, he was Iowa Cubs legend. Oh yeah. Taylor's but, the best. Yeah. But he had his friend from the minor leagues, Dylan Seesaw and like Cease hops cool. in the zoom. And I'm like, all right, you're the Cy Young runner up, but like you were also the young pup that Taylor Davis took under his wing in South Bend and Myrtle beach. This is so unique. And hearing those two talk and just interjecting with a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. I was like, what do we got building here, man? This is crazy. That is cool. I was just saying, because like even even in our case, right? Like, yeah, we we've had you know Justin on, but we've had a lot of fun in the past with guests interviewing some of the guys that are prospects. Mm -hmm. And it's fun now in hindsight watching their careers unfold because we've had guys like Cole Roeder on the show and Cole yeah. Franklin and Jordan Wogu and like that list goes on. And it's like it's really cool to see like where they progress through and in hindsight, right, like just seeing how how all that plays out. But, yeah, the, the Justin one was the craziest one. And that's just because like 
he almost found us in a way. Yeah. And then now it's just become this thing where like he's going to at least be a, at minimum a yearly guest. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we can him and him and, and Tyler Edmonds, one of our other co-hosts are big uh, sports card guys. So gotcha. we've told them they can do like weekly shows on Justin's off days and just talk sports card as they want. And that's going to be the Cubs on tap show for the week. Um, yeah. It might get to that point, but uh, Jack, quickly before we, we keep moving forward, just want to show some love uh, to the comments. The fun part about doing this live, um, everybody's saying, "Hey, how's everybody doing?" Uh, yeah. South Bend having the cool park. Duncan's cards here. Uh, his he's brain spinning because his YouTube subs are colliding. Right. Uh, as he says up here with just baseball and and with us, um, and unfortunately. Guys. They are. They're they're fun. They're fun. And, and then like Darren says here, uh, apparently he was very slow in his football playing days. I'm not fast for the record. I've never broken a five flat on a 40 yard dash. So I'm not. It, not it's it's all about footwork, right? It's all about the first step. Were you a tackle or a guard? I played all five spots on the line at one point in my life. Athlete. You're a chameleon. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was. I was the Ben Zobrist of the offensive line in college. Hell yeah. Because I really, really good at getting the Jerry Seinfeld early start, you know, the car firing <laughs> yeah. and that being the, the ticker to go off. Yeah. He's damn good at that. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Well, we'll have to we'll have to chit chat about the old playing days at some point, but it's, it's so much fun. Um, but Jack, who's who's someone in, in baseball, you know, past or present that like you want to interview like what would be your like this is my greatest of all time interview who is it so um the two guys that are on my back wall here burley and bonds bonds is like number mm. one for me he is such a layered story yes. and i would love to try and get into that he wouldn't do it i know but like bonds is number one another one too and i'm not just saying this because it's like a cubs show Theo fascinates me. Yes. I would love to talk to Theo Epstein, the guy that is the Messiah of the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs broke yep. about 200 years worth of curses. Like my first, how that, what do you know that nobody else knows? Like, what do you do that's different? And yeah. all I want to do is figure out what makes that guy tick the way he does. I have so many questions about why he's the greatest executive maybe of all time. Yeah, I, I think, too, just to, to to double down on the idea of Theo, Jack, it's like on top of it, we would love to hear like what his just his thoughts on baseball are. Right. Because yes. it felt like he went into the, the MLB front office and then we got the pitch clock and then we got, you know, well, we need more triples and doubles and, you know, bigger bases. Bigger yeah. bases, yeah. Faster, you know, the plays, the bang-bang plays that get people excited throughout a game. And Juice created the, the tinfoil hat take years ago. This is 2021. We're talking I was ahead here. of my time for once ever. It really <laughs> was. It really was because the Cubs started building this roster and everybody's like, what are they doing? And Juice goes, nobody has Jed, Theo's ear now that he's in the front office more than Jed Hoyer. What do you think Jed's doing? He's building the team where he thinks baseball's going. And that's exactly what happened, right? Like mm -hmm. the Nico Horners of the world, you know, them being able to have guys like Frank Schwindel for small periods of time. And like, now you see this Cubs team and you're like, I get it, right? You have, you have compliment, you have guys that can hit for average and hit for power and play great defense up the middle because then the shift rule came like this whole big chaos. And now all of a sudden where it's like, Juice nailed it. We're, we were 
two years ahead of everybody else where like he knew it was coming. And it was because just that, that connection to Theo Epstein, that's so fascinating. Credit to you, Juice. Yeah. I mean, like the, the thing, the thing that gets me, especially with Jed and, and with Carter Hawkins too, I think he's awesome. And by the way, Jason Kanzler, newest addition to the Cubs front yes. office. He's now the, uh, what is it? He's the director of player development with the Cubs. Yes. Yes. I got to know Kanzler pretty well out on the Cape. He was an assistant coach with the Brewster Whitecaps. And I was calling games mm-hmm. for Brewster. That guy ticks different and he is the yeah. perfect ad to the Cubs front office. But yeah. um, like, if we knew what was coming, who wouldn't have gotten Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson to be the up the middle tandem with the shift restrictions? Like you're oh, spot on, man. This was tailor made for the new version of baseball. Yeah. And I mean, too, you look around, you look around that whole lineup, the way it stands and the way it stood last year there's there's some power in there but every single position is an athlete i mean you look yep. around that infield you look around that outfield i mean even jan gomes a guy who's a catcher i mean he's an mma guy like he yeah. he legitimately like trains in the offseason for mma that's how he gets his body ready for the year and i don't know i i just found myself thinking like if i were theo epstein and jed hoyer like there's a lot of downtime in baseball we know that what are we talking about and I'm sure yeah. that question came across each other. And they said, if you were the commissioner, what would you do in a day? And Jack, that kind of gets me to my question to you. If you were commissioner, what are you doing to change baseball today? What what more does it need? It's it's constantly changing. But I think that we're close, but we're not there to getting to the point where it's almost the perfect version of itself. If there was a way to incentivize not walking guys. That is the final piece to the puzzle. My least favorite. And listen, I totally understand that there is immense value when you get to arbitration hearings, when you get to free agency in walking as a hitter. But man, it is the worst thing in the world to watch as a fan. I do not want to see walks. If there was a way to incentivize pitchers not walking or I, I think I think it would probably have to function as a penalty to the pitcher more so than, you know, like negating the value to a hitter. I have no idea how to do it. People like Theo Epstein should figure out how to do it. But there, there needs to be something in place to negate the value of the walk. I, so, I watch a lot of Bauer outage, too. I'm a sucker yeah. for... Why don't we just go full Trevor Bauer, Eric Sims, and it's a free fastball on a walk. <laughs> just one location, free fastball. I like it. I, I mean, it's just an idea. It's And two, like, I hate walks, too. I hate anything that – I mean, it's downtime in the game. It's mm-hmm. boring. You're right. You hit the nail. It's boring. And, and things snowball there, man, because, like, two walks in an inning will probably turn into three, which will probably turn into four, and then you get a pitching change. That is always the recipe to a terrible inning as a consumer of the game. And you don't want to have terrible innings as consumers of the game. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. I think too. Well, and and you, you factor into that now, right? Like I think watching the, the pitch clock definitely made watching baseball on television. I think more enjoyable. Truthfully. Yes. Yes. 
But I think going to the ballpark, it is actually taking away from it a little bit. And it was because you could, you know, you could run and get a beer and come back and you maybe only missed two batters or something like that. Now you go to the bathroom and get a beer at Wrigley in the second inning. You're coming back. It's the bottom of the third because everything's so quick. And it's like, I I think to, to add to that point, it's just like, well, with that in mind, then you want to, you want that now shorter time frame to be more high impact plays. You want more, more steals. You want more, um, Juice has to get the light on. It, it oh, gets good. dark quick, Juice. <laughs> it's well, been... I'm on Eastern time too, and I for... this is my my typical Bears on tap show. It I I'm in the dark at the end of it because I don't... it is it's true. It's just like a big black corner in the the middle of the screen that happens. But like you want you just want the the highest level of baseball possible, right? And it does feel like the walk takes away from that. So like when Ian Happ takes four walks in a game because he's one of the few players in the Cubs that actually kind of does that. Right. Like it's, it's great if it, you know, if he gets on first and, you know, Nico Horner hits a double and he scores from first base, that's great. Yeah. But he walks and then it's three consecutive outs and they get nothing out of it. And you're like, that was the biggest waste of time I've ever seen in my entire right. life. Right. So definitely uh, unfortunate. Well, we asked you this in the pregame show. So we, we knew that your once was a north sider turned south sider. Yeah. Um, but we have to ask a question. Obviously, you you you've you've grown up in the Chicagoland area. So for those listening, you know, what what was the the growing up in Chicago like as a as a fan and and how and this may be an extension of the question since we learned the answer talking to you before the show. How how have you kind of positioned your fandom, I guess, from a standpoint now that you are actively within baseball and how do you consume Chicago baseball now as somebody who is effectively a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, right? And, and, and how does that kind of play into it now too? That's something I'd be curious to hear. So it's, (laughs) it's hilarious because I get that question from people that have no idea what's going on in my work life all the time. It's like, hey, so, you know, does that mean that you can still be a fan of the White Sox? I'm like, it totally does. Am I? Not really. <laughs> like, that <laughs> might be the White Sox fault. That might also be just me kind of growing up in sports, I guess, and like realizing what working in sports is. So to answer the first question, and we talked about this before the recording started, um, I was born in Lincoln Park, grew up in Lincoln Park, first five years of my life. So the first photos I have at any sporting event was at Wrigley in the bleachers or like down the third base line in a Sammy Sosa onesie. Sammy Sosa was my, you know, first favorite player. And it was amazing. And we were, um, let's see, we were at surf and Broadway. I'm yep. sure you guys. Yep. I was at surf and Broadway. Then we move out to Oak park when I was five and, you know, you still latch onto the Cubs, but it's like, Hey, we got it. You know, there's this convoluted way to get to Cubs games and all that. It took 45 minutes to get to Wrigley. It took 20 minutes to get to U.S. Cellular. And I mentioned to you, like, I could either go see Randy Wells pitch and Tony Campana lead off for 50 bucks, or we could go see Chris Sale throw for, or, or Mark Burley at the end, throw for six bucks. And, like, that was easy for my parents. So I, I transitioned to a White Sox fandom, but I was never the kid that was like, I love the White Sox. I hate the Cubs. I always enjoyed the Cubs and it was so much fun to like 
latch on to that when they were good. I had an amazing mm-hmm. time watching the World Series in 2016 because I grew up going to that ballpark, man. That ballpark is just objectively better than U.S. Cellular Field. So <laughs> yes. you enjoy that vibe. The other thing is interning with WGN in 2017. The team was good. Um, I got to sit in the back of both TV booths because that was the last year that WGN had a share of both teams. So I sat behind Benetti and Steve Stone, and I sat behind Len and JD. And dude, sitting in the back of that TV booth at Wrigley Field, Vince Scully once called it the best view in all of sports. And like, I can agree with that statement tenfold. Um, it, it, it's just an easy place to fall in love with. And when that team is good, it makes a ton of sense. And then the second part of your question, um, I don't really consider myself a fan of the White Sox, the Cubs, the Pirates. I like baseball fandom for me is gone. I latch on to individuals. I'm a fan of players that sure. I have crossed paths with that I like. Um, especially because we can watch it in such a national sense. I mean, you turn on MLB TV, you can turn on any game you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I guess in terms of who I love the most, it would, you know, I still have a soft spot for both Chicago teams and then I'll, I'll watch as much pirates baseball as I can. Cause I've gotten to know those guys over the last two years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I think too, what you had to say about the Wrigley booth, like, Len was always very open and honest about like how great it is at Wrigley. And obviously now he's still in Chicago, just on the other side of town doing radio, which that is, I will listen to White Sox games on the radio just to hear Len. Like yeah. that's because yeah. for me as well, Jack, like growing up was Len. Len. Like that yeah. is what I identify Cubs baseball with. But like, I loved hearing cause we, we listened to it. We went to the Cubs convention this year as a, as a group. It's so fun listening to Boog Shiambi talk about Wrigley field. Because as somebody who, you know, he's been all over, obviously, right? The Marlins, ESPN. So he's he's seen the entire league from a, a stadium standpoint. And he's like, it's so cool that in the middle of the summer to look out over Wrigley Field that he's like taking pictures of the sunset because like it's just so picturesque. And he's like, you don't get that at every ballpark in America. No. And that's why it is so cool at, at Wrigley. And I, I, I will say, speaking of great ballparks, the PNC is very high up there for me. I haven't been. I want to go. I haven't been. You've got to, got to go, got to go. I, I got lucky enough last year because I have, again, I live on, I, I grew up on the South side. I'm originally from Oakland. I now live out in Orland park, but I've always been a, a Cubs fan because both of my parents grew up Cubs fans. My mom was, I'm, I'm looking at probably 15 signed baseballs over there with Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, Joe Girardi, any guy from the late 80s, early 90s when my mom had season tickets. And, like, it's it, it's kind of weird because all of my friends are White Sox fans. Like, yeah. outside of a very small selection of them. And then, obviously, the guys here, it, it comes on tap. But, so, for my, a lot of my life, like, I've probably been to the South Side just as much as I have the North Side. Maybe that's skewed probably a little bit in recent years. South yeah. Side Ron coming out right now. <laughs> but, like, I, I've been there a lot. But we got the the opportunity because the White Sox opened in Pittsburgh last year for yeah. Pittsburgh's opening day. And it happened to be my buddy's bachelor party. And he's a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And he was like, the Pens play Thursday night. The Sox get there Friday. Let's go. And we're like, all right, cool. And it, yeah. it was so cool. Cause we sat up right up the second level behind home plate at PNC. Yeah. And some of my favorite just viewing 
from a ballpark I've ever experienced. Now, did you get Permani Bros when you were there? I have had Permani Bros. I had we did get to, we got the Permani Bros in the stadium because the night we went to actual Permani Bros, the line was like out the door and we had to get to the Pens game, so we were like we'll come back and you know, we had to run away, but um no, it was that was a great ballpark. cuz I've I've been to some really weird ones. It's the not your traditional Midwest ballparks. Like yep. I've been to I've been to Toronto, I've been to San Diego, I've mm-hmm. been to Tampa, I've gone to a ton of games at the Trop. It's almost <laughs> borderline disgusting the amount of games I've been to at the at Tropicana Field. But like PNC was cool. Like that one and to me, that one and Rogers Center in Toronto, actually, outside yep. of Wrigley, are like two of my favorite ballparks. And Petco is probably right up there too, because that's just gorgeous as well. Now, might I say Camden Yards is like next I level. I have to go. I have to go. I've never been to Camden, but that's I was yeah, gonna say because you guys did the show recently uh, at Just Baseball, and I know yeah. you were you were banging the drum for Camden. You're like, you gotta go if you've never been. <laughs> you gotta go. Uh, the other one that I was banging the drum for was uh, Estadio Juan Marichal in Santo Domingo. I went for Lightum yes. this this year. I saw Junior Lake play baseball three times in a week this nice. winter. It was amazing. Best time ever. Um, but yeah, like that is that's a crazy experience. Obviously, if if you have interest in doing it, I would recommend doing it. But yeah, Camden Yards is like if you're doing the ballpark thing and you want to see the best modern ballpark that's outside the cathedrals, like Wrigley, Fenway, Yankee, I think Camden Yards is there. Okay. Duly no. Yeah, I'm gonna do gonna... there and Fenway all in one run. That's yeah. that's I, I almost got out the Fenway actually recently, but I wasn't able to get there. It was it was a, a big bummer. But Jack, it, it's it's been fun obviously getting to talk to you. But now we got the hard hitting questions. We got to yeah. talk some Cubs baseball because yeah. uh, very excited to hear again, especially from your national kind of viewpoint of how you consume baseball now. Just kind of getting your thoughts on, on what you know what the Cubs look like going into the year. So we've got about nine questions. It might become a few more based on conversation, but. Which offseason move for the Cubs did you like the most? And have they made it yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Short answer, no, they haven't made it yet. Um, so far, I did really like the Michael Bush pickup. I thought Bush and Yancey Almonte really helps. But, Ron, we were we were DMing a little bit about it. Naris. Naris is, is the best one that they have made. And Imanaga is great. Imanaga is a middle-of-the-rotation guy. He's kind of a carbon copy of steel, which I found interesting that they would do that with, you know, like that, that fastball that plays well up and like, how does it get that many whiffs at at such a low velo, that kind of thing. But for me, like the nearest signing kind of solved a math problem that I was doing in my head. And I'm going to like throw it at you guys and like talk through it with me. You look at steel. Best case scenario for Steele, complete game shutout. Best case scenario for all these guys, like Hendricks, Jordan Wicks, Tyone, complete game shutout. But let's yeah. take Jamison Tyone, who's the third best starter in this rotation, probably. What is an attainable goal for Jamison Tyone every time he steps on the hill? Five I think innings, six five, innings. Five, six. I thought it was six. I thought it was six, a three-run ball. Like the bottom yeah. criteria for a quality start that results in a four-five ERA. Six innings, three run ball. How do we get to Alzali? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two innings to fill. Alzali, I think, is a good closer now. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite closer, but like I feel very comfortable with Alzali, especially what he did after the All Star break last year with him as the closer. 
Yes. So I was looking at six outs. How do you shrink that number? You go get a guy that had a freaking 170 RA last year and has a splitter from hell in Neris. So all of a sudden, six outs becomes three. And I trust an assortment of Merriweather, Yancy Almonte, Smiley, Mark Leiter, whoever you want to run out there mm-hmm. on any given night to get me three outs. I am, if I'm, if I'm giving a manager $40 million, <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's crazy. Um, but if I'm giving a manager $40 million, I want him to have some go-tos and I want him to feel like he's making the right decision every time. And there are fewer things to make the right or wrong decision about now that you have a surefire eighth inning and a surefire ninth inning. And you think about council for the last six years, Hater or Devin. He's yep. always had an elite closer. So he's never had to think about the ninth. He still doesn't need to think about the ninth. Now I think Naris creates the benefit for council to not have to think about the eighth either. Yeah. No, that's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a great point. I think, too, we and we talked about it following the Naris signing here on the show. It's funny because there's so many reports in Chicago that have spun up over the last couple of weeks that guys like Luke Little, guys like Daniel Palencia have been working on a splitter this offseason with Tommy Hadovy and, and the pitching yeah. staff. So, like, when you were, you know, when you had brought it up and then they did sign him and it's like, well, he has the splitter from hell. And it's like, because they just want to look at all these guys and say, do that. Like, throw yeah. that pitch. And we're going to be only that fine. easy. Yeah, right. Of course. If only it were that. Hey, he's easy. here now. Learn this. Yeah. Just well, my it. favorite. My favorite thing about Evaldi, Nathan Evaldi learned his splitter in New York. He was always a hundred, right? He learned his splitter from Tanaka in New York, and within a year, this guy turned into a really good starting pitcher because he learned the splitter from Masahiro Tanaka. I'm not saying that Hector Neris is Tanaka, but you've got a guy that you can stand literally right next to in bullpens and be like, "Hey, how do you do that?" And Neris is going to show you the ball. And you can slow-mo a cam, and you can see exactly how he releases it, and you can try your hardest to do the exact same thing. 100%. 100%. And, and, and then if it doesn't work for you, how can you tinker with it in a way that it does work for you? Yeah. I was going to say, it was, it was cool because last week we talked to Justin, and we one of the questions we had for him was, how much interaction have you had gotten to have with Shoda? And he was like, yeah, you know, Cubs Con, we got to see him a little bit. He's like, but he's in Arizona now. So I, you know, he watched my bullpen that I threw yesterday and I like through his translator was like asking me questions and we're like, that's really cool. And he's like, yeah, I cannot wait to watch him throw a bullpen. And then his tweet came out about how this dude's nasty. And we're like, we literally just talked to him about this, but (laughs) it's that, like you said though, it's getting to sit there and watch these guys because now we all have in our heads. Well, maybe Shota Minaga is good for Justin Steele because Justin's been working on a changeup and a sinker that Shoda has already arguably perfected. Yes. You know, maybe now all of a sudden Justin Steele has two additional pitches in his bag besides that beautiful fastball slider combination that he already has. Now maybe that fifth place NL Cy Young voting becomes second place. Maybe he wins it. Dude, you've got iron sharpening iron all over the place. And that is my favorite thing about spring training in particular. Like I made this point with the Astros. Hunter Brown gets to go to camp in South Florida with Justin Verlander. Yeah. How beneficial is that for Hunter Brown, man? And like, 
I've talked to a couple of guys. Reed Detmers is a Springfield, Illinois guy. I talked to yep. Reed about the Team USA collegiate national team, and he went out there with Asa Lacey, who at that point was the top five pick, and and a couple other guys that you know were were top ten caliber arms. And it's just lions surrounding themselves with other lions. You, you pick up on things they do, and in a collaborative environment like that, the world is their oyster. So yeah, like oh, yeah. Shota and and Steel working together again, like carbon copies of each other. Mm-hmm. Think about how much better they can get at their thing collaboratively. It's really cool yeah. to think about. It definitely is. It's something that we're. I know I'm personally looking forward to, and I I can't wait to see how that that works out for both of them over the course of the year. What do the Cubs still need to do to be considered contenders? And this is not necessarily what do they need to do this offseason because, as Omar pointed out to us earlier, still no Cody Bellinger. Um, there is no Matt Chapman walking through the door, at least not yet. Right. What What are when you look at this Cubs roster going into twenty twenty four? Maybe even coupled with what's to come in the pipeline between now and we'll say the end of twenty five. Yeah. What is still one glaring hole that you look at and go? They need to do something about this if they ever truly want to be World Series contenders. So uh, I'll actually shift the question to you guys and I'll pose it as like kind of an ultimatum. You get one of Cody Bellinger or Matt Chabin. Who do you want? It's funny. We just we actually had this conversation on the show recently and I've almost been almost talked into Matt Chapman over Cody Bellinger. And the reason being the the hard hit rate is huge. And <clears throat> Chapman last year, like everybody's like, oh, oh, he was so terrible. He was this, he was that. Outside of his average, his numbers were eerily similar to that of Ian Haps in his all-star season. Mm-hmm. 17 bombs, 40 plus doubles. You get that guy in Wrigley, though, when the wind's blown out in the middle of the summertime with that left, that left center, you know, just wind alley. And it's a position that the Cubs don't have a ton of depth in at the minors. No, because I mean, right now it's Matt yeah. Shaw who's playing out of position is really right. what their third base depth is in the minors. Well, and like, who's the opening day third base? Is it Nick Madrigal? Like, probably. It, it might right be. Now, <laughs> like, to be honest, it legitimately might be. It might be. It might be Patrick Wisdom. I mean, they did just bring him back for a hair under $3 million. So. Yeah. See, Jack, I go the other way on it because I like lefty power. I'm a sucker yeah. for lefty power. And it's Aren't Bellinger. <laughs> and I, he he just seems so in tune with that clubhouse, too. Like, when we talk to anybody, they're like, we need him back because he's such a good guy in the in the clubhouse. Yep. He gets us. He knows what we're doing here. Yeah. Like, it's not that I wouldn't like Chapman. It solves a position of need. Honestly, either of these guys at this point in the offseason are probably worth being happy about for sure when they if they come back. But I just look at lefty power and the Cubs, again, another thing they don't have a lot of. So they got to mm-hmm. find a way to fill lefty power if you're going to go with the Chapman route, and there's just not much out there. So now let me ask you, where is your level of concern with Pete Crow Armstrong? One being, I'm not concerned at all. Ten being, we got to package this guy and move on, and we need to find a different center fielder. It's it's. I think you go year to year with that, and I, I'm a guy who thinks he needs to start a triple A. We've talked about, and Ron agrees with this. Too. I agree with that as well. Yep. I, I love his his swag, and I saw a lot of him in South Bend. I know he's not a bad player. Ever there all this slander about 17 at bats and his it's struggles, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's such a small sample size. It's not even funny. And half of those at bats were 
in the middle of a game, he's coming in cold off the bench, right? Not getting into the game flow. I love his his ability and his defensive ability out there. I wish that he was more selective at the plate and had yeah. more of a what's the word more of a an approach to it. Because yes. when I watched him in South Bend, it was he was going up there and just better than everybody. Yeah. And I, I watched him in Iowa when he was on marquee and it was still the same. And I feel like the majors just slapped him in the face the minute he got there. Cause you truly need to go to the, to the plate with an idea of what you're looking for. And so many times I just felt like he just was not at that maturity level to, to put together in a bat like that. And, and it's not to say that like, I, I don't think that Cody Bellinger being there blocks him either. No. I mean, we're looking at Bush too, and and who knows what they do with him. Play he could play third if if totally sorta. But I mean, it's it's early in his career too, where who knows if if he pans out. And I know that they have, and Bellinger played a decent first base. So I, yeah. I just look at the lefty power, and I look at Peter Armstrong, and I'm like, I still think he needs a lot of time at AAA. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say I think with PCA to what you said, Juice. Like this year is a big year for PCA. Oh yeah, because I think he needs to go to AAA. I think if you start to see, you know, they there's so many pieces that have come out since the season ended about Jed Hoyer sitting down with PCA at the end of the year and the comparisons to what that felt like when he was in San Diego with Anthony Rizzo, because Rizzo did the same thing. He came up late in the season with the Padres. He was awful. And they just told him, like, hey, you need to work on X, Y, and Z. He started doing that. Of course, the Cubs trade for him in the, in the oh, yeah. course of that offseason, one of the best trades that Theo and, and Jed ever made in Chicago. And the rest is history because he refined his approach. He became a, a true hitter at the plate and then became that 30-100 guy for you know the better part of seven, eight seasons with the Cubs. I, I think PCA this year, like that, the, the concern level is probably a – three or four right now because he's so young of, Hey, let's see what he does at triple a. If he can go down and he hits continually, the defense is there, right? We all know the defense is there. The base running's there. None of that's a concern. It's just with him, the bat. And you can make the argument too, that if you're the Cubs front office and you say, well, you know, we like PCA and we think he can develop into that guy, but let's not forget. We also have Kevin Alcantara still sitting in double a right now yes. who juice. I mean, you saw a ton of He's my South favorite Bend. prospect. Jay. He's a freak, man. He's Arm Layton's favorite prospect too. Like Arm was the high guy on him before anybody else in the industry had him planted on just baseball's top 100 before anybody else. And he is obsessed. You guys need to get Arm on just a wax poetic about Owen Casey. We do. We do. And, but, and that's the thing too, right? Like going back to the, the Bellinger point, like I sit and I think, well, left-handed power, where are they going to get it? Owen Casey is a perfect guy yeah. of getting that left-handed power here in the near future. You know, maybe they're able to do it with a couple of these other guys. It's, it's just, there's so many moving pieces that like the concern level is not there yet necessarily with PCA. And I, I, I agree with juice. I, I, I think you put it perfectly right. Like, and Jack, you've phrased this beautifully as well because it shows right. Either these players like fit a need the Cubs very clearly have. Yeah, I, I think though, right? It's then well, how confident are you in what's behind them? Because right. if you're confident Matt Shaw can be a competent third baseman at the MLB level, and the bat plays the way it has through three levels already of of minor league ball, 
then maybe Matt Shaw is your your everyday third baseman for the next few years. Versus, well, what what's PCA going to be? Is Kevin Alcantara going to stay healthy? You know, then that that need right then filling in with Bellinger is Michael Bush going to be able to play an everyday first base in the yeah. major leagues? So, uh, in understanding where you're, you're framing this up, because it really is each one of those players can fill a need, but left-handed power and corner infielders really, I will just say both positions at this point are probably two of the biggest needs that the Cubs have. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, if I were in Jed and Carter's position, I, I think I would go into Bellinger negotiations with like a firm threshold that I'm willing to get to. And if, if Boris is still sitting here, like, Hey, he needs $200 million. I, I have to tap out. Like yeah. I would do it for 170 for 200 when I can get Chapman for 120. Like Bellinger's not Bellinger's a year removed from a 650 OPS. And I know that he made changes like necessary changes. And we know that the great Bellinger is in the tank and it might've been unlocked again, but who's to say that it might get locked up or like, it's not going to get locked up again. You know what I mean? It's, it's been so finicky for this guy versus Chapman. He has such a high floor because he has won platinum gloves, like multiple platinum gloves. There is enough safe value in Chapman for me to not warrant overspending for a Cody Bellinger. And it sounds like based on what you what what you're alluding to there, Jack, um, there was a report actually literally just came out, I think, an hour and a half before we all jumped on the microphone together from Jesse Rogers. And he said he said from what it sounds like, the Cubs have that threshold and they're not moving. I didn't even see that. Yeah, I I don't blame them for not moving. It's it's one of those where you have to be firm. And dude, like I'm not giving Blake Snell 200. I'm not giving Cody Ballinger 200. It's, it's bizarre where we've gotten with the, the three, four or five guys that are left. Do you have an opinion on why that is though, Jack? Is it the free agent class? Cause I've seen a lot of that. I was listening to Bruce Levine. Bruce Levine was talking a lot about this free, free agent class just didn't get GMs excited after two, maybe three names. Or do you think that there's like a structural problem with free agency? I don't know if there's a structural problem. Um, The way that I kind of view it is the guys that are left, you have way more concerns about what they're going to be at the price point than the others that have already signed. So like Nara's friendly price, right? Hater, friendly price. You knew he was going to get paid like Edwin Diaz. He got paid like Edwin Diaz. Otani, you knew... He, he was going to set some sort of record. They did it in a creative way. Um, and Yamamoto, you knew, had the ability to come over and be a top 15 pitcher in the game from the jump. And that's what the Dodgers bet on. For the other guys that are left, Jordan Montgomery is a middle-of-the-rotation guy. He is a mid-threes guy, typically. For 190 innings, but a mid-threes guy. He's going to get paid like a guy that can run out there and get a 2-5. He's never going to be a 2-5 guy. That's not his game. Blake Snell, yeah, he's got multiple Cy Youngs under his belt. He had a Cy Young in his walk year. Look at the years in between, man. Like, you're going to pay him like an ace. Is he an ace? He wasn't making top 20 starting pitcher list going into 2023. Um, Same deal with Chapman, man. Like, he's he's a couple years removed from that platinum glove. And and the batting average just ticked down, like you said, Ron. But, you know, like, I don't know. Everybody left has their flaws. And it's Scott Boris's job to try and mask those as best he can and try and get teams to pay like they have no flaws. But 
you look at those players, they are clearly a step below who's already signed and way more volatile than the players that have already signed. One one follow-up to that, Jack, and then we'll 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 keep moving down the question list here. But because I know you guys over at Just Baseball are very big, you guys love discussing the analytics, and, and it's something that we enjoy immensely as well. Yeah. Do you think that MLB free agency has evolved the way it has because there is just more information on all of these players? Yes, absolutely. And I, I also think that we're finding new ways to, I don't know, attach value to certain players. Like the Dodgers, the Dodgers paid to run a monopoly on Japan. I think we've learned that. And like the 100%. price, yeah. And like the price for a Japanese or Korean Korean player is like going up because you know that you are going to get ratings and you're going to get jersey sales over there like the giants don't fork over the money they did for jung hu lee unless they know that they're getting one of the you know like greatest greatest players that korea's produced in, in recent memory so i i understand it from that perspective i also think there's enough numbers to make anyone look good now <laughs> and that might be jacking the price up i mean we'll find it i know ian happ was doing a uh, a midday spot with with uh, Bernstein and Holmes for a while there. And mm. at the beginning of the 22 season, I think he cited that his ex Woba was good, even though he kind of started in a slump and he went digging for a lowercase X and a lowercase W and Ian Hop's a damn good player. But like, we've got guys that are going to look at the Rex Woba. I can find any number to convince you that any player is good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is the posturing that has, become easier for agents in these free agent discussions and in these arbitration hearings. And it's, it's the team's burden now to find proof beyond reasonable doubt that other metrics will point to that player not being as good as the metrics that, you know, the agent has at their disposal. Yeah. hundred percent. That's interesting. I, 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 I like the way you framed that. And I was very curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. Cause that's, that's been a very hot topic of discussion. I think throughout the right. off season, right. Is, the the structure of free agency and just because everybody is just like there are people at this point that are like it's baseball season and they're like i don't care because there's still big free agents and we still have to hear about this bs still and it's like right it, it's fair right like it's a fair frustration to have because you, you look at all the other big sports right like nhl july 1st is my christmas uh, yeah. because it's just every other three seconds, there's somebody signing NBA free agency opening is the exact same way. And even NFL free agency is that way, right? It's a, a week and a half of just chaos. Yeah. Baseball's not like that. And I now, think that kills fans. What what I will also say is baseball is the most individualized game of all of those where it yes. is a benefit to sign early in the other sports because you get to know the playbook in football. You get to know teammates and the way that they kind of operate, the way they move on the ice or on the floor when it comes to hockey or basketball. With baseball, Matt Chapman's routine doesn't change until he shows up to the complex. And a pitcher, their routine doesn't change ever. Like there's right. a reason starting pitchers are plug and play and relievers are plug and play. Like they work on themselves and only themselves. And it's just a matter of, you know, who's willing, who's willing to pay or, or who they jive with to, to dictate who's on the front of their Jersey. Yep. 
And I think that's a great point that others can keep in mind too. When the, when those frustrations, the, I call them the old man yells at cloud uh, syndrome yeah. kind of sneaks into everybody's brains. It's um, our game. We got to be okay with it. Like we love it yeah. anyways. Like I can, I can yell at the cloud all I want. I'm not leaving. I know that this game has me tied. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, as a part of uh, you guys do the call up over at just baseball. And yeah. again, great work, especially from you and, and arm. Who is the one Cubs prospect that you think will have the largest impact on the Cubs in 2024? Um, so I guess you still quantify Bush as a prospect and he'll play every day, but Cade Horton, like Cade's got to be the guy. This rotation is missing the swing and miss 11 punch outs per nine guy. And that's what Cade can be. And they're going to need that. Um, I don't know, like lack of a frontline starter. I, I think it, I mean, Justin is totally a frontline starter, but he does it in an unorthodox way. I yes. think they need a guy that can go punch out 12 and that's Kate Horton. So that that's my short answer. I hope Casey gets a shot. He probably won't get a shot. He'll probably just spend the entire year in Iowa. Um, Matt Shaw could get a shot quickly, but like, where's the space? It's probably at third base. Um, yeah, I I think it's the swing and miss starter in Cade. Yeah, I I Owen Casey is a guy I really want to see get a shot. And my yeah. my kind of like mental spicy take that I have for the season this year is we will see Matt Shaw and Owen Casey at some point. It might not be for very long because like right. last year we only saw Matt Mervis for three weeks before he got sent back to Iowa for the rest of the year. But I think there's a world where an injury here, an injury there, Casey and Shaw are lighting the world on fire at you know double A AA or triple A. They, they very easily could get that quick call and, and be, you know, one of those kind of like plug and play guys For sure. um, over the course. How do you see the NL Central playing out? Obviously, you're you're very in tune with, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Who's winning the division? Who who are the, the couple teams that you really think are in it? And who's, you know, because I know you've spoken very highly and I'm glad you did, because when I remember listening to you and Pete, and he'd say that the NL Central is the worst division of baseball. And I had the same reaction you did. I was like, there is no way it's worse than the AL Central. Absolutely no way. No way. And I thought you gave a great explanation, but it does really feel like there are still, though, the clear, you think these are going to be the best teams. You think they got a shot. And then these, you know, this team or that team's will be at the bottom. How do you, how do you like one through five? How do you see kind of the NL Central shaking out in 24? So I thought it was a fluke year for St. Louis. I still view St. Louis as the best team in the division. Um, they have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> like it, yeah. It's impossible to deny. Mason Wynn was the best player I saw in AAA last year. He is a freak of all freaks. And you know about, you know, the arm strength across the diamond. Like he can rip off a hundred from shortstop. Sure. But like dude's got juice. He's fast. Jordan Walker should be due for a huge year. And you guys know it as well as any fan base in baseball. Wilson Contreras was treated unfairly last year. That guy is good. Um, he has issues as, as I'm sure every Cubs fan knows. And it was kind of, you, you kind of like him when he's on your team, you hate him if he's on the other team. And 100%. that is still the case. So I'm sure a lot of people are souring on Wilson and, and his, um, his mannerisms at Wrigley last year certainly didn't help the cause, but he's a really good catcher. I, I think they are good all around, and I think Sonny Gray was a huge ad for them. 
Milwaukee's weird, man, because they get rid of their ace. They get rid of a top five pitcher in baseball, but they've got the best catcher in baseball by war last year. They've got a young, exciting outfield. I love Sal Freelich, former guest of uh, Mm -hmm. the Just Baseball show. Um, Like Freddie Peralta can absolutely be that gross frontline guy. I don't know what they do with Adamas and Devin Williams. If they hold both, I still think they can be good, but I actually kind of put the Cubs right there with Milwaukee. It's like really close. Cincinnati's not far behind too. So I'd say tier one barely is St. Louis. The middle three are Milwaukee, Chicago, and Cincinnati. I'll line them up. And mm. Ellie De La Cruz is going to be must watch. I know a lot of people like somehow soured on that dude. Like why? Because the K rate hearing, is high. Hearing his hearing his projected war projections, like I was confused. What, what are we doing? Like he's he's an alien life form. Same thing with O'Neill Cruz. I'm like, why are they so low? They're freakazoids. Like people O'Neal, people just forgot what they he forgot. They forgot. <laughs> O'Neill Cruz is going to go 30 30, and people are going to be like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Are you sure? He's six seven and a freak. Yeah. Open yeah. your um, eyes. Yeah, and like yeah. even the pirates, man, like. Hey, they may be the fifth best team on paper, but like this thing can shake out any which way. I do think that the Cardinals, in terms of on-field talent, are number one. But dude, this thing's going to be so tight, and, yeah. and I'm so excited to watch that thing play out. As I say, in my eyes, looking across baseball right now, and Juice, I don't know if you agree with me on this. Like, I look across baseball, and I think the only division I could see being as close as the NL Central is like the AL East. Yeah. And that's probably about it. Cause like every other division, right? You still got great teams, right? Like the NL East, you still got your big, your big three juggernauts, you know, the NL West throwaways. Like the Nats aren't competing. No, the Nats aren't competing. The Rockies aren't competing. Like there are very clear non-competitive teams in most divisions in baseball. Yes. The AL East is like the one, like, yeah, even the worst teams got a weird shot. Well, and even then, man, like, so, all right, on paper, the Red Sox are the worst team in the American League East. You compare them to the best team in the AL East, let's call it Baltimore, especially with the addition of Burns. 100%. The difference between Baltimore and Boston, I think, is more drastic than the difference between St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's baseball. It really is. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's, it's really going to be a blast. Jack, you have seen more minor leaguers for the pirates than anybody you're probably more familiar with their roster than just about anybody except people that maybe live in pittsburgh and even then we can probably make the argument who's the next cubs killer because there's always one on every nl central team yeah who's the next cubs killer coming out of pittsburgh or is he already there and he's just going to get better is it tomorrow is it who is it tomorrow might be tomorrow. That guy's a freak as well. I know. Skeens is going to be an everybody killer. Like, he's, yeah. he's next level. What I will say is, Sawinski and Priester both grew up Cubs fans. I know. Sawinski, every man. time that dude comes to Wrigley, has a good game. And I'm just like, every time. Why? Why? You have a 214, like 320, 470 slash line. Yeah. Like, why are you putting up these numbers at Wrigley Field? And like you said, though, I, I, I every time I'm like, he's a hometown kid, and you yeah. know they love this show out when they go home. And he's a North Sider. Yeah. So Alex, Alex Thomas is the Alex Thomas is the same way with the Diamondbacks. I'm <laughs> sure. 
I'm sure. At South Every side, time, if he ever came, he would he would oh, rip yeah. through the White Sox. Even even the North Side. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. the last couple of years, I feel like every Diamondbacks game I remember, like obviously last year they were a good team, but I, I remember in 2022 when they weren't good, they would come in and just shit whip the Cubs in a three game <laughs> series. And That's Alec Thomas, I word. think he had, <laughs> thank you. He had, a, I think, a three game stretch at Wrigley. I recall. I think he hit four home runs in three games. At Wrigley Field. And it was in like the worst conditions possible, too. The wind was blowing in. It was like early May. And yet he's just launching balls into the stratosphere. It it was crazy. But yeah, that hometown connection is a real thing, man. And it uh scares the shit out of me with guys like Sawinski. Yeah. I won't I won't sit here and lie to you. As of right now, I think I know the answer, but I still want to hear it. Would you consider the Cubs offseason as of this very moment that we are speaking a success? Man, like you could be honest. Yeah, like no, I guess we were we were told they were going to spend huge, and they haven't spent huge. They've spent, which I appreciate because there are teams that aren't spending, right? But they haven't spent huge. Like Imanaga and the trade for Bush and signing Naris is good, but they moved the goalposts on themselves at the end of the season when when Jed made those you know, remarks. And when they fired David Ross and replaced him with council, I was like, Oh boy, like rub your hands together, lick your lips. It's, t- it's time to go with the Cubs off season. And we were thinking it was going to be the Cubs and the Dodgers Yep, that owned the off season. And it's the Dodgers that have owned the off season. It's like, all right, the cut, the Cubs for me are a step behind what the Reds have done. I think the Reds have been the darling of the off season. Hmm. The Cubs have gotten better, but I thought you were going to get great and they just haven't done it yet. Yeah. I've said on here that it's a good, it's a great off season if they're middle market, but because they're the Cubs and they, like you said, they said they were going to spend huge. It's average to below average. I think in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. But like I said, it's there, there's still, as Jed says, we're still in the fifth inning. You know, I yeah. feel like we've been in the fifth inning for a long time here. We might be at the stretch now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I think we're beyond the stretch. I think. Uh, I think Adbert's already warming up in the pen at this point. Maybe that's that's where we're starting to get to here. But, um, Jack, I this is this is. I feel like this question dominates baseball right now. But we've got to ask it. Where do the Boris four end up? Because it feels like they're going to sign probably. I feel like the Jorge Soler signing today is the first spark that's going to just create a crazy run over the next five, six days of guys signing. But where do those four end up in your eyes? Does Bellinger still become a Cub and the other three go where? Or how, how do you see things shaking out with those four? That's a great question. I saw Morosi tweet something and I just wanted to read this. Yeah, he tweeted, he tweeted this this morning. Um, as MLB clubs negotiate with free agents, Wednesday is a possible inflection point. Uh, tomorrow, meaning, yeah, Wednesday, yep. all teams will have the ability to place players on the 60-day injured list, thus freeing up 40-man roster spots for free agent signings. Could be an active 48 hours. Yep, I saw that too today. So that it's funny because we had this question was before that, but I saw that earlier and I was like, oh, this is perfect. We're going to tee Easy. this up and things are going to get crazy now. Easy peasy. Um, all right. Bellinger. Not Chicago. I don't think they budge. I think San Francisco is still the spot. I think I think he could end up in San Francisco or LA. 
San Francisco has been begging to dish out money. And I just made this point on, on tomorrow's just baseball show. San Francisco seems very stuck without an elite position player. And because they've struck out on judge and Correa and Otani and Yamamoto, like they've struck out on enough elite players to gaslight themselves into thinking that Cody Bellinger is that elite player. That is the final piece in the puzzle. So um, yeah, I, I think, they could convince themselves to go do it. So belly, I'll say San Fran Chapman. I will say the Cubs. Like if, if Bellinger's off the table, it seems like they have money to spend. I think Matt Chapman's the guy there. The weird spin zone that I've done on the just baseball show, Jordan Montgomery's wife has a dermatology residency starting in the Boston area. That's a four year residency. Um, I think it's at Northeastern. Why would Jordan Montgomery not just sign a four year deal with the Boston Red Sox? Um, so I could see that, you know, he's, it, it was nice. He said, um, I feel like I'm happy being the dumb one in the relationship. I read an article like this past fall about it. Cause I mean, his wife's going to be, a dumb we all? yeah, right. I'm very happy being a dumb one. My, my girlfriend's in medical school right now. I'm thrilled being the dumb one. And yeah. then, uh, the, Snell, dude, I don't know where Snell's going to, I'll say Anaheim. Cause he's, he's bag chasing. It seems like this guy wants 200 mil there's anybody that's going to hand out 200 mil to the wrong guy it's probably Artie moreno and, and the la angels 100 i was gonna say i i enjoyed the, the the jordan montgomery take when you first shared it yeah because it's happened in recent sports jacob truba got traded to the new york rangers because of his significant other. Like he wanted to go to New York to be closer to her. That was a legitimate thing because being in Winnipeg, it just, it was really hard for them to make that work. I'm sure. And now he's, you know, the captain of the New York Rangers and he, you love him if he's on your team and you despise him if he's not. And it worked out for them. And it's like, what if that happens to Jordan Montgomery and the Red Sox? And especially now that they got our old buddy, Craig Breslow and you know, what's yeah. that going to do, you know, get a good arm in there to help with the pitching staff. And, it, it makes too much sense. And then that just the curveball on top of it makes it even better. Truthfully. Yeah. Um, this one comes from uh, Tyler who unfortunately wasn't able to join us. He was originally hoping to, and he wasn't able to join us today. He says you guys recently ranked Nico Horner, the number eight second baseman in baseball in your top 10 list. He asks, why wasn't he number one? <laughs> Good question, Tyler. Um, there's a guy in LA who's going to play second base full time there. Have you heard of him? Betts. Uh, yeah, he's quite blanking good. on the first name. Yeah, but Betts is, is his name. And then you got Semyon, Altuve, Cattell Marte. Uh, list keeps going. I love Nico, but like he's a 105 WRC plus guy. Like right. he's not going to hit 20 bombs. Um, there are enough second basemen. Like, listen. Are we taking gold glove defense and eight homers, or are we taking 30 and 100 from the second base position in Ozzy Albies, who's playing average second base defense? Like, I don't know. It's it's such a bat-dominated game. Give yeah. me the guy that's going to hit 30 nukes, and you know, unfortunately, he's just not going to do that. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think the – the the question you posed with Arm of Cubs and Cardinals fans, who's better, Tommy Edmund or Nico Horner? <laughs> and they are very similar players. I, sure. I do agree in the sense that Edmund provides the multi the multi positional upside, and Nico could do it too. But like he hasn't sure. been afforded the opportunity in Chicago, right? right. So in, in my head, like we everybody in chicago loves nico right cuz he's everybody. he's the golden boy right he's just a great extension by the way 
Oh, yeah. unreal contract. Unreal contract. I mean, I, I think both of those contracts, truthfully, I think the Ian Happ one as well. I think we're we're slam dunks for the Cubs with Jed because it, it at least gives you that stability for the next it was effectively four years when they signed him, right? The last season yeah. and now the next three. And then God forbid they continue to draft the way they have and have one of the top five farms in baseball. Right. Oh, we can't pay you what you want. Oh, darn. Well, that's funny. We got a dude down in Iowa that's like knocking on the door and we, we have to let him in. Ron, you are know? you alluding to my theory that he doesn't make it to the end of the contract? I am not alluding to your theory, but you can sh- share that one with Jack because I want to get his take on it. Because they're so stacked in the minor leagues at that position, I don't think he makes it to the end of that contract because I think they trade him. He for, he being Nico Horner. It's spicy. That's just, that's just, I mean, it's it's tinfoil hat. It's good. I think it's probably like not probably. I think it's entirely dependent on where they are as a team, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if they're competing for division titles and if they have a World Series within grasp, which is the way they're positioning themselves you stick with the guy that will have five years under his belt at the time, as opposed to, Hey, we got this guy for 750 grand this year, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I like the theory in terms of execution seems situational. Yeah, no, it's, it's completely <laughs> tinfoil. And I think the Cubs are going to be good in two years. I so. love it. It's uh it's a good one. That one, that one got a lot of eyebrow raises the night that Juice decided to share. Yeah, that. and Tyler yeah. hated it. Actually, everybody on this panel hated it, which meant it was a good take. <laughs> yes, 100 <laughs> percent Well, it's fun. It, we can't always all agree. It just it it doesn't make it fun then to, to sit here and no. debate if we all and just it's kind of debate. it's kind of fun going rogue, too, isn't it, Juice? Oh, dude, I am the roguest of the rogue from this group. <laughs> Honestly, probably the I mean, bad boy, huh? Well, you know, when you have just the nickname and not your real name on the thing, yeah. you got to uphold a, a little bit of a reputation. Understood. <laughs> uh, Jack, final Cubs focus question for you here. Who's the Cub player that fans should expect to take a massive leap in 24? I have been so in between on Seiya. I think he's going to go off. I'm really excited. And, and this may be the year that, I fully believe that the contract is worth its value because you're paying him a lot for a 790 OPS and like fine defense in the outfield and nothing on the base pass. It just seems like he was leaving something on the table each of the past two years, but he got better in year two. This could be the year that like you see the 30 homers from Saya and you see middle of the order masher for the Cubs and he he and Yoshida for me are, are very similar because they were high priced IFA guys that got off to a strong start. Everybody loved. And then they stumbled a little bit back half of their first year and you forget how good they were in Japan and you forget how good they can be for you. I think Yoshida can be an awesome hitter for Boston. And I think Seiya can be an awesome hitter for the Cubs. And he's been good. I think this is the year he becomes awesome. I, I love that take. And he's a guy too that I think we've been high on at Cubs on tap. I think a lot of Cubs fans are too, because when he was finally fully healthy last year, late in the year, I mean, him and Bellinger carried the team from the end of July to the end of the season. And and the thing is, man, like that guy turned into an afterthought because of the first year and a half, right? It yeah. was 
All of a sudden, he was the focal point at the beginning of the 2022 season. And by the end of 23, he's the fifth guy on the scouting report. And that opens a level of freedom that you don't get often as an $85 million guy. 100%. Think of it that way. That's, that's a good thought. Amen. I'm, I'm, I too am excited for a Seiya Suzuki breakout, hopefully. And I, I hope that makes us smarter, Ron. <laughs> that doesn't, why <laughs> do you think I listen? I take these off. I'm a moron. It's it's just the glasses. It's the clear frame that are in. <laughs> hey, uh, there there's a reason that I, I tune in regularly to the Just Baseball Show because uh, I, I enjoy listening to you guys. And again, there's there's a lot of things. Admittedly, I you can ask Juice. You can ask all the guys on here. I've more than once been like on Just Baseball. They said this, and I really like this because of X, Y, and Z. And like put a little more of a, you know, just a Cubs kind of taste on it because we're a little, you know, closer and we, we see it just every single waking day of our lives. Yeah. Um, but no, I, again, you guys are, are doing great stuff over there. One final fun comment here. Uh, Darren, <laughs> a loyal listener of ours, he says, man, Jack has a voice custom made for radio. Um, he's been told that he has a face for radio um, and, and Bernie ended up agreeing with that, but uh, you, you do have the play-by-play voice, sir. I know, I know Pete is banging the drum for the MLB play-by-play job. Uh, I am also banging that drum. Uh, appreciate you. Future Fortune, Cause you're, uh, you're one of a kind, man. We, we, we appreciate you joining us today. This is, I feel like we could sit here and talk a whole nother two hours about baseball, but um, people might start yelling at us and telling us to get off of YouTube. So hundred <laughs> percent like, Hey, go get a life touch. Grass is my favorite comment that I get consistently. Like, Hey, you know, <laughs> get off the spreadsheet, go touch grass. Yeah. 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 I'm like, well, <laughs> like my girlfriend lives four hours away. Uh, I'm in Indianapolis. What do you want me to do? Like, I'd rather just sit here and go on fan graphs. So yeah. uh, it's, it's one of those, but no, man, I appreciate you guys. This is, this is awesome. So whenever you're, uh, whenever you're looking for an hour to fill during the season, hit me up. I'm around. Deal. That is, this is this was so much fun. Yeah, this was great, man. We we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, for everybody listening, as always, Cubs on Tap, you know where to follow us at Cubbies on Tap on the socials, um, on tapsportsnet.com at on tapsportsnet on the socials. Uh, Jack, you are at Jack underscore McMullen11. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And then at just BB underscore media. Yeah, just BB just media baseball. got pinched by Fox Sports MLB during the 2022 World Series. Um, we were clipping their highlights and they flat Fox. It's no other RSN. It's not ESPN. It's not TBS, nothing like that. They will not flag posting baseball highlights. Only Fox flags posting baseball highlights. So just BB media got pinched during the world series in 22. Uh, but now it's just BB underscore media. So there you go. So if you're not following sincerely, um, Go follow the Just Baseball guys. Uh, you guys are incredible. Huge fans. Um, I definitely, Aram is on my list to get on. Um, maybe later in the season, the Yankees come to Wrigley so we can we can hit up Pete and uh, get his, you know, non-biased takes by any means about the Impossible. New York Yankees. Impossible. Yeah. I know. Um, no, you guys are awesome. We we appreciate the hell out of you joining us today, Jack, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. But uh, before we get out of here, everybody, as always, let's go Cubbies.